You're listening to Jewish Matters with Rabbi Jonathan Feldman. If I would ask you, what is the largest annual gathering of Jews in the world? You might say the Israel Day Parade in New York, a soccer game in Israel, maybe the Madonna concert in Tel Aviv. But the reality is the largest annual gathering of Jews, except this year, is on Lagba Omer, the holiday which is coming out today, in Meron, in northern Israel, in the Galilee. And it's to commemorate Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar. And this size of this gathering, which is estimated anywhere between 300 to 600,000 people on a normal year, attests to his spiritual power. So let's back up a little and look at where does Lag Ba'omer come from. The Talmud tells us that Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 pairs of students. And during this period between Passover and the holiday of Shavuot, they all died. In a terrible tragedy, the Talmud says some type of plague struck them. But it gives the reason that they died because they didn't give proper respect to each other. Now, what does that have to do with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Lagba Omer? So, according to many, they stopped dying on the day of Lagba Omer. But that seems even stranger because Lagba Omer, and by the way, Lag is not a, talking about the logs that we throw on the fires that we make on Lagba Omer. Lag is the Hebrew numerical uh, equivalent of 33 in letters. Lamed is 30, Gimel is 333, the 33rd day from when we start counting between Passover towards the holiday of Shavuot. And our son Daniel asked a very good question. He said, it seemed all of Rabbi Akiva's students died during that period. So the day they stopped dying surely would be a day that we'd be relieved, but a day to celebrate, to have concerts and music, dance, light bonfires. That seems a little over the top. And the answer to that question is going to have to do with Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, uh, the author of the Zohar. Because it says that after his students died, Rabbi Akiva found five students, taught them, uh, rebuilt up Torah study, and two of those five students were some of the most notable leaders of the generation. Uh, Rabbi Meir, who was the author of, or the composer of the Mishnah, and Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Now, there's a famous story of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which is that uh, in the Talmud it relates. He and some colleagues were sitting around and talking about the reality of their world, which was uh, the Roman Empire had been ruling Judea for a number of decades. And one of the rabbis said, Look how wonderful it is. The Romans, they've built roads, bridges, the cities are being built up. Amazing. And Rabbi Shimon looked at him and he said, they only build their roads so that they can march their armies in to conquer us. And they only build their bridges so they can collect tolls. And they only build their cities so that they can have centers of immorality. 
sitting there was uh, one of the colleagues who was more sympathetic to the Romans and who had been a convert and took offense to this, and he reported it to the Romans. Word got out that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was being sought by the Romans, and he fled and hid. And he went with his son, and it says that they went to hide in a cave. And they spent 10 years in the cave. What were they doing? They were studying Torah. And it says that a stream miraculously came to give them water. A carob tree grew to give them sustenance. And this is how they lived for 10 years. By the way, last fall, uh, when my wife and I took a trip up north, we actually visited the town of Pekin, which is reported to be the place of Rabbi Shimon's cave. Uh, there is a cave, although it's rather, the entrance seems to have been closed up by a uh, earthquake, and, but there is a carob tree right in front of it, and there is a fresh spring at the bottom of the town. Uh, and it's one of the few year-round springs that give off water, uh, really, kind of in Israel in general, they're very few. So, um, could that be Rabbi Shimon's cave? It very well could be. It's a town called Pekiin, fascinating place to visit, also has an ancient synagogue. Nearby, on a hillside, is the town of Meron. Meron has a population of a thousand, and as we mentioned, it swells to hundreds of thousands. And this is identified as the burial place of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And the holiday of Lagba Omer seems to have morphed from the day recognizing when the students of Rabbi Akiva no longer died to the celebration for Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. One account says it was the day he came out of the cave, and many later sources say it's the day when he passed away. It is his yard site. So why do we light bonfires there and really all over the country? And this year the government has been very strict and asked people not to light fires at all and to congregate around them, obviously not wanting the spread of corona. We hope people will listen because it's a nice custom, but it's merely a custom. It's not an obligation. So where did the bonfires come from? The Zohar relates that on the day Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passed away, he gathered his closest students around them to teach them the deepest secrets of the Zohar, of the Kabbalah. And it says in the Zohar that the light was so powerful, the light filled his house, it blinded his students, they could not take the intensity of it, and they all had to step outside except his son, Rabbi Eliezer. And even he was blinded by it, when at the end of the day the light subsided, they went in and saw Rabbi Shimon wrapped in his talit and that he had passed away. So, to answer our question earlier, while normally the day of passing away of the students of Rabbi Akiva, or the day of passing even of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, why would that make it a day of celebration? Because he was so great that it's considered that his soul leaving to the next world is not a tragedy, but a actualization of all the light that he brought into the world. So the bronze fires represent the light that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai 
brought into the world. And so we see a common theme going through uh, the stories of this day. We see the theme uh, that unites them all is the study of Torah. And sure enough, between this period, between Passover and Shavuot, where we have the custom to count every day, uh, it's called the counting of the Omer, which culminates in the holiday of Shavuot, seven weeks later, uh, our rabbis tell us that it's a period to prepare ourselves to receive the Torah. And so there's a custom to study the ethics of the fathers during this period, which is about uh, Torah study and the importance of it and uh, spiritual development. And that's really the most powerful message of the story of Rabbi Kiva's students, because their Torah study certainly probably was great. He was one of the greatest of the rabbis of the sage Talmud. But uh, he, and he, story of Torah study was really the story of a self-made man. He started studying Torah at the age of 40, at the encouragement of his potential uh, fiancé, who said she would only marry him if he studied Torah. He went on to become one of the greatest sages of the Talmud and of the Kabbalah as well. And Rabbi, when he gathered the five students after his other students had died, it's another story of rebuilding Torah, starting from scratch, and uh, accomplishing amazing things through his students. So the passing away of his first students represent, really is a message that Torah study is not just about gaining knowledge, it's about how we behave with that knowledge, and particularly in our relationships to other people. And we're told that having proper uh, proper behavior, proper qualities, proper interpersonal relations is really an essential prerequisite to studying Torah. That's the message that this time of year, which has some of the customs of mourning, uh, which end today, by the way, uh, is telling us. And it also is the message of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, which represents the continuity of Torah, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, in a debate with Rabbi Ishmael, quotes a verse that really one should study Torah day and night. And Rabbi Ishmael says, what about earning a livelihood? Rabbi Yochana Shimon Bar says, well, that will be taken care of. God will take care of that for you. So he represents uh, a pure, uncompromised approach towards Torah study, just like his... Uh, uncompromised stance towards uh, what Rome was accomplishing for the Jewish people. And being a... So what is the Kabbalah? Uh, the Kabbalah can be described this way. If the Torah is really a book of how to serve the Almighty, how to serve God in this world and bring godliness into the world and develop as a human being, the Kabbalah starts to enter more into not just the what's of how we serve God, but the whys, and the whys of understanding the spiritual realm. Generally, it's considered that we don't start delving into those areas till a person has mastered the rest of the Torah, 
is over a certain age and of a certain spiritual maturity. But uh, we will be starting a podcast on Jewish spirituality and we'll talk more about the ideas in the Kabbalah that can be shared uh, with a wider audience. So the Hasidic masters teach us that in a sense, Lagba Omer is like a Shavuot, a receiving of the Torah, but for the hidden Torah, for the Kabbalistic Torah, which maybe we don't re- relate to directly, but we can try and connect to the message of God's light coming into the world through Torah study. And since this year our Lagba Omer will be curtailed, we can have the fallback, which is many of the teachers tell us that really Lagba Omer should be the day of Torah study, because in a sense, it's a two-thirds of the way check-in towards getting ourselves ready for the holiday of Shavuot, 33 out of 49 days. And it's a re- celebration of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his dedication to Torah. It's a reminder of the tragedy of Rabbi Kiva students who perhaps didn't approach Torah study in the proper manner. And even though we don't have the bonfires, God willing, we will have the light.